Genesis chapter 3, verse 5. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. We're going to make believe today that this is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. God told Adam and Eve, don't touch that. Don't eat it. He didn't say don't touch it. He said don't eat it. Eve's the one who said, God said, don't even touch it. God said, don't eat that fruit. I want to share with you today how so often, without us realizing it, we eat from the tree. We eat from the fruit of the knowledge of evil. I want to show you how, without intending to, we bite that fruit. How many of you have ever looked at the story of Adam and Eve and thought, dude, what were you thinking? You must have woke up pretty messed up that day. Why would you eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil? If you had a choice right now to live the rest of your life with only the knowledge of good, and let's say you were in that perfect place, how many of you would voluntarily go and eat of the knowledge of evil? How many of you would not? Let me see your hand. Okay. I want you to see something. In the book of Genesis, chapter 2, chapter 3, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, it's mentioned several times. And when you do a word study in the Hebrew, as that's what the original texts were written in, the word good is the Hebrew word to be. It means good pleasant, agreeable. This is the knowledge that is good, it is pleasant, and it is agreeable with God. And the word evil is the Hebrew word ra. And it is the knowledge of bad, malignant, and disagreeable. You see, this is the tree that has the knowledge, it has the fruit of the knowledge of good that is in agreement with God's mind, and it has knowledge or the fruit of the knowledge of evil and things that are in disagreement with God's mind. And as I was studying the other day, the Holy Spirit impressed on me that the knowledge of evil is not only the knowledge of bad or wicked things. Most of us would try to avoid deliberately eating from the fruit of wicked things. This isn't just the fruit of how to commit perjury. This isn't just the fruit of how to defraud someone of half a million dollars. This isn't just the know-how of how to do evil. What this actually says in the Hebrew is that this fruit is any knowledge that is in disagreement with the knowledge of God. The fruit of the knowledge of good is that knowledge which comes into agreement and alignment and submission 
And it follows the logic and the, 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 the knowledge that comes from God, but the knowledge of evil, the fruit of the knowledge of evil is any knowledge that stands in direct opposition or contradiction to the knowledge of God. That's what it says in the Hebrew. One is agreeable and one is disagreeable. And Lucifer tempted Adam and Eve to eat from that tree because he knew that once they did, they would change their loyalties from God to Lucifer. They denied the word of the Lord and obeyed the word of a supplanter. Whom you submit yourself to, you will be a servant to. That is a principle in the New Testament. Whom you obey, you will be a servant to. You deliberately bow down and become subservient. What we give our, listen, you give yourself over to alcohol, eventually you'll become an alcoholic. You give yourself over to pornography and you'll become a porn pornography addict. You give yourself over to lying and you will become a habitual liar. You give yourself over to jealousy and jealousy will consume you and control you and it will destroy you. You give yourself over to wrong thinking and whatever you submit to, it will take lordship over your life. The knowledge of the fruit of evil in the Hebrew is the knowledge that is bad, malignant, and disagreeable. So you could get knowledge that could sound good, but it's in contrast and opposition to the knowledge of God. And it's still the knowledge of evil. Not all evil is about how to do somebody in or bring harm or devastation to another person. The truth of the matter is, according to the Word of God, when we think contrary to how God thinks, we are already eating from the tree of the knowledge of evil. Are you with me? So Lucifer brought them to this tree so that they would eat of that fruit and think differently than God. That was the whole point. He wanted them to be opened up to a mindset that was different than God's mindset. He knew that if they obeyed him as opposed to obeying God, they would fall from their glorious position because they were created in the fullness of the image of God. They would fall from their position as ruler over the earth and he would be able to take that title and ownership over the earth. When Lucifer said to Jesus, when Jesus was in the wilderness, he said, look at the kingdoms of the earth. If you bow down and worship me, these kingdoms have been given to me. Jesus didn't say, liar, liar, pants on fire. He didn't debate the fact that it was given to Lucifer. It was. Adam and Eve gave it to Lucifer because God had delegated authority over the earth to Adam. And Adam submitted to the word of the enemy and he surrendered his title. And Lucifer was correct in saying, these have been given to me. God didn't give it to him. God gave it to Adam. 
But Adam surrendered his authority. The reason why you need to know who you are in Christ is because your soul, which was part of that fall that took place in the garden, will speak negativity to you. It'll speak conflict to you. It'll speak fear to you. This is still part of the series of putting on your best face, learning how to live from your spirit rather than from your soul. It was Adam and Eve's soul, the realm of their intellect, and it was the realm of their emotions that enticed them to eat of the fruit and the realm of their body. You are spirit, soul, and body. There was anarchy. There was anarchy. There was anarchy. Listen to me. There was anarchy. See, the enemy comes to bring anarchy within us because if there can be anarchy or division within us, confusion will rule. And in the midst of confusion, he can conquer. And so you are in your soul, the mind of your intellect and the mind of your emotions. He says, listen, I could feed your mind with knowledge that God doesn't want you to have because God knows that when you're like him, uh, you'll, you'll have knowledge of good and evil. Here's the difference with God. He has the knowledge of everything that's good and he has the knowledge of everything that's evil. When somebody does something bad, God doesn't go, oh my, there's a new take. I never thought of that. God knows everything. But because he is holy, he is good to the nth degree. The knowledge of evil has no hold on him. But God gave us a free will. And the knowledge of evil is not good in our hands. Can I get an amen? And so Lucifer said, look, you're so intelligent. Eve, you're so bright. This whole universe belongs to you. But God knows you'll have more knowledge, knowledge he doesn't want you to have. They eat of it. They lose their position. The earth comes under the control of the kingdom of darkness. But there's another reason why he did this. Because with the knowledge of evil in your soul, listen to me. If the knowledge of evil isn't just the knowledge of how to do bad things to people. If the knowledge of evil is knowledge that is contrary to God's knowledge, he knows that with that inside you, any knowledge that is contrary to God's knowledge is a place where he can have a stronghold in your life. And so through that one gesture, he opened up all of humanity so that he could put strongholds in each and every one of us. And I'll prove it to you. Let's go to the New Testament. And I read this verse a couple of weeks ago, but let me read it to you again. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4 to 5, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. Listen, on the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. The weapons we fight with. It doesn't say the weapons Jesus fight with. 
Will you get over it? Get, get rid of that religious devil in your head that keeps saying, that's blasphemous, you know. It's Jesus who has all power. Yes, and he shared it with us. He has delegated authority to the church. The gates of hell will not prevail against the church, and the church isn't an institution. The church is every individual who is born again, washed with the blood of Jesus, and has the Holy Spirit in their lives. Can I get an agreement? He has delegated authority to you and to me as sons of God. He says the weapons we fight with, not the weapons Jesus fights with. I'm sure Jesus uses them, but as he does, so do we. How many of you are followers of Christ? That if Jesus does it, we should do it too. Amen? It very distinctly, the Apostle Paul says the weapons we fight with are not like the weapons of the world. Stop. If you're not in the fight, you better get in the fight. If you're a pacifist, let me tell you, the devil isn't. And if you won't bring the the war to him, he will bring the war to you. Until Jesus comes back and the earth has made his footstool, there will be conflict in this life. That's why Jesus said, since the days of John the Baptist to this moment, the kingdom of God has been suffering violent, and violent men like John have been taking hold of the kingdom and forcing it and pushing it down over the earth and pushing back the rule and the reign of darkness. God's looking for a lot more sons like John the Baptist to stand up and bring the, the evidence of the kingdom of God to earth. Can I get an agreement? The weapons we fight with. Everybody say we. We. Now say we fight. fight. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power. Dude, you're loaded up with some pretty heavy stuff. Turn to somebody. Look at them. Man or woman. Say dude or dudette. You are loaded up with some heavy firepower. You have weapons that have divine power. You got to believe this stuff. Every word that is written is inspired by the Holy Ghost. You can't see it, but I'm packing. The devil can see it. You better be packing. We have divine power to demolish strongholds. To demolish, not just beat. Paper, rock, and scissors. (laughs) Demolish, obliterate. No contest, baby. Remember, he didn't just make you a conqueror. He made you more than a conqueror. Two conquerors will go head to head and they'll battle it out. And it could go this way and it could go that way. I want to tell you that when I'm in the arena, the game, the fight has already been determined because I am victorious through one Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Can I get an agreement? I am not just a conqueror. I am more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ. And I don't just, you know, paper, hammer, scissors with the devil. 
We demolish, we obliterate, we tear apart demonic strongholds. You, you got to lift your game. You got to change your thinking. Most of us have got a Christian mentality that we just want a, a survivalist. Well, you know, if the devil picks on me, uh, I'll tap him away. I ain't waiting for the devil to pick on me. He starts picking on you. I'm going to beat his butt Amen. in Jesus' name. Now remember, please hear me. It's not your strength against his strength. We stand in the victory of Jesus Christ. Okay? And be careful how you talk to the enemy, but know who you are in Christ Jesus. Absolutely. So it says we demolish strongholds. Now watch. I want you to see this. We demolish arguments, and that word arguments is logismos, which means reasoning, thought, conceptions, personal opinion, arguments, and judgments. We pull down thought patterns, belief systems. Some of them got into your childhood. Some of them got into your adult years. Some of them got into you during your, your midlife. Maybe you got divorced. Someone cheated on you. Someone broke your heart. Maybe the words that your father or mother echoed over you all your childhood life. You always felt like you could never measure up. And now in marriage, you've been, uh, uh, someone left you and abandoned you. And the enemy is putting Thoughts, conceptions, he's turning your thoughts into personal opinions and they become judgments against you. Everything we believe that is contrary to what God believes is the fruit of the knowledge of evil. Watch this. We demolish thoughts, belief systems, opinions, fears, that stand up against the knowledge of God. The word knowledge is nosos, the wisdom of God. And we take every thought that doesn't line up with the wisdom of God and we bring it into submission so that the thought changes and starts to come out of our mouth the same way it comes out of God's mouth. This is spiritual warfare. You want to destroy a stronghold in your life? Reverse your thinking, renew your mind, and be transformed. Say what God says, and say it with the gusto of the Holy Ghost. You see, we don't realize we often eat from the fruit of the knowledge of evil. You see, it says make it obedient, take every thought and make it obedient to Christ. And that word obedient literally means make it submissive. Submission to what is heard. It becomes obedient and submissive to the word of God. This is spiritual stronghold, a spiritual warfare. Do you understand that Paul is saying that demons will live in the logic of your mind, the hurts of your memory, the bruises of your past, 
tied together and reinforced by the emotions, the mind of your emotions and the mind of your intellect. When the mind of the intellect and the mind of the emotions come into agreement, the will is activated. A double-minded man is unstable in all that he does. Should I, shouldn't I? Should I, shouldn't I? The mind of logic, the mind of emotions are at odds. They're unstable. The will is not activated. You get an athlete. He not only believes he's going to win, the guy who believes he's going to win and brings his body into agreement with that kind of mindset and submits it to the type of vigorous training that is necessary will also be the athlete who emotionally believes he's going to win. The high achievers and high performers in life are in agreement within their soul. If you're not in agreement within your soul, the mind of logic and the mind of emotions, your will is never activated in a constant steady stream. You are unstable in all of your ways, tossed between two minds. We have got to bring the mind of our intellect and the mind of our emotions into agreement with the mind of God. And when we get excited and emotional and we believe with passion what we profess in the mind of our intellect and we're in agreement with God, we release the power of the Holy Ghost. You see, a lot of people believe theoretically in their head, yeah, no, well, I believe, I know God can heal me. I, I, I know God is bigger than the enemy. I, I know the devil's under my feet, but I just don't feel it. Listen to me. When you're convinced of something, you know what convinced really means? All of you has become absorbed in the reality of what you believe. When you are convinced of something, your emotions have already been convinced. And too many people try to step into faith intellectually. Okay, this is the formula. This is what I got to say. Okay, I'm saying the right words. No. If fear is still in your heart, your soul's not into agreement. If I come into agreement with Paul and say, Paul, I want you to be a prayer partner with me and come into agreement, what good is this agreement if there's still disagreement in my own soul? The mind of the intellect and the mind of the emotions must come into agreement, even in the natural. Take the spiritual away, natural men, natural people, natural businessmen, a driven person, a producer, a a, a person who is an achiever in life. They bring their thoughts and their emotions into agreement, and they exercise their will on every decision they make. They are determined. They are one-minded. They have a purpose. As Christians, you must become, you must take the mind of your intellect and the mind of your emotions and agree on the Word of God, and that will activate the will which releases the Holy Spirit to produce powerful things in your life. Absolutely. Absolutely. But we don't realize that we eat of the fruit of the enemy, uh, of the fruit of knowledge. Uh, Proverbs 23, verse 7 says, As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. What's the heart? Lebay, the realm of the mind and the realm of the emotions and the realm of the will. As a man thinks in his intellectual side of his mind and the emotional side of his mind, that's how he is. You will be that. Did you know you are what you eat? You are what you eat. 
You see, the devil starts talking to me, and, he, and I start agreeing with him. You know what? I'm an idiot. This is the fruit. The apples on this tree symbolize the fruit of the knowledge of evil. Yeah, I'm stupid. I can't do that. You know what? I'm always making mistakes. My father used to say, you are your own worst enemy. I'm not going to make it. You know, why not all, everybody else gets lucky? No one seems to succeed. But I seem to fail. I guess my teacher was right. He always told me I was dumb. I wasn't that smart. And we're eating from the fruit of the knowledge of evil. It doesn't agree with what God says. Why? So I'm going to spit that fruit out. I don't want to eat that fruit. We don't realize. We don't realize. Study to show yourself approved. The workman rightly dividing the word of truth so that he will not be ashamed. We don't realize the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The knowledge of evil is any knowledge that is contrary to God's knowledge. When I'm eating that apple, I'm agreeing with Satan's words. You're a loser. Why? Because he knows that destiny, God in destiny determined that the enemy is judged, sentenced, and condemned. That's what Jesus said. Satan is judged, sentenced, and condemned. And his condemnation is that he will be under the feet of the sons of God and that we have authority over him in the name of Jesus. He knows what's written on the wall. He knows it. But if he can convince you that it's not true, he'll say, here, eat from the fruit of the knowledge of evil. Yeah, you are dumb. Yeah, you are stupid. He'll be your cheerleader. He'll agree with you. He'll send you to college. He'll take you to the Institute of Higher Learning so that you become more and more convinced you're doomed to fail. But this is what the Word of God says. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16. Who has known the mind of the Lord so that he can instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Hmm, good knowledge, knowledge that agrees with God. Hmm, 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 that is good stuff, baby. I have the mind of Christ. And the devil says, no, God's ways are not your ways and God's thoughts are not your thoughts. Oh, hang on, the Bible does say that. Let me go back to the Bible and find that scripture. Oh, He's talking to Israel when they were in a state of rebellion and backsliding. If I read that scripture in context, the people who are rebelling against God, their ways are not God's ways and their thoughts are not God's thoughts. That's not talking to me. I'm full of the Holy Ghost and I'm living for Jesus. I'm going to eat more of the fruit of the knowledge of good. I got the mind of Jesus. Do you know? Mmm, that's good. Do you know? If I have the mind of Christ, I have access to the greatest mind in the universe. Amen. How can I be an idiot? How can I be stupid? How can I be a failure? 
I have the mind of Christ. Listen, you need to decide something. We need to decide something. Either the word of God is literal and it is inspired by the Holy Ghost or it's all make-believe. And if it's all make-believe, we're all a bunch of fools for being here. Paul said that himself. He said, we're to be pitied above all men if this isn't, isn't true. He said, but it is true. The word of God is literal. I have access to the mind of Christ. I have the mind of Christ. You know what? There's brilliance inside of me. There's brilliance inside of me. When I need to tap into the Holy Ghost, the imagination of my Father who created the galaxies, I have access to that imagination. I have the mind of Christ. I have the mind of Christ. I have the mind of Christ. I'm not going to call myself stupid. I'm not going to prophesy that over me. I'm not going to eat from the tree of the knowledge of evil. I'm not going to speak things, eat fruit that is in disagreement with God. You are what you eat. Here, let me give you another scripture. Not only do I have the mind of Christ, I have the most imaginative, creative mind. God can give me ideas. God could give me patents. God could give me ideas for business. Look at this here. The Word of God says in Colossians chapter 126, the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but now is disclosed to the Lord's people. Let's look at the next verse. Uh, it says, to them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ is in me, and that's my hope, my reason, my confidence for knowing that I can share in the glory of God. Amen. The goodness of God, the power of God, the strength of God, Christ in you, the hope of glory. You know, that's written in Colossians chapter 1. But if you go to Colossians chapter 2, Paul elaborates on this. And in chapter 2, in verse 9, 10, he says, For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. I love this verse. How many of you that have been with me for a while know I quote this a lot? You know why I quote it a lot? Because I had to clothe myself with this verse. I used to have a spirit of inferiority and a spirit of fear and a spirit of rejection. How come I am the way I am now? Because I believe every word that is written is inspired by the Holy Ghost. And this says, for in Christ, wait a minute, Christ in me the hope of glory. Christ in me the hope of glory. What does that mean? For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. All of God's character, the fruit of the Spirit, were in Jesus. How many of you would agree the fruit of the Spirit were in Jesus? How many of you agree the gifts of the Spirit were in Jesus? Amen. For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form, and the fullness of Christ lives in you. I'm going to eat more of this. This is good stuff. You see, we don't even realize it. Sometimes we're eating from the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of evil. Uh, I'm a sore sucker. I'm a dummy. I'm a loser. No, 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 no. Stop that. 
You saw what happened to the human race when Adam and Eve ate that stuff. Why are you, the redeemed sons of God, going back to that same tree and eating that fruit? Don't eat that fruit. Good preaching, Pastor Rob. God doesn't love me. God hates me. God doesn't even know I exist. I'm such a loser. God doesn't care about me. He loves Carol, but he doesn't love me. He loves Lynn, but he doesn't love me. He did a miracle for Patty's mom, but he wouldn't do that for me. I know God can do miracles, but it won't happen for me. I'm the runt of the litter. You know, when I was born, I was the last of three boys. They tell me that when I was taken home, my legs were so skinny, my uncles and aunts used to tease me that I had Frankfurter legs. Not true. I was allergic to water. They washed me in oil. I was sickly. Most of my childhood, very sick. I, I couldn't drink my mother's milk, couldn't drink formula. I had to drink goat's milk. I was very sick. I've had, during my lifetime, and I lose count, either four or five incurable diseases. I was small. I was skinny. I was full of fear. I was full of inferiority. My girl cousins, who were younger than me, my uncles would try to intimidate. I would cry. They would laugh. That's the honest truth. I remember Carol Jean, my cousin. We lived in an apartment side by side. It was an apartment uh, duplex. My uncle owned one half, my parents owned the other half. Carol Jean was six months younger than me. We started school together. We're in the, uh, uh, like the basement, getting ready to go to our class for the very first time. My cousin's laughing. She's talking to all the friends, and I'm crying. I want mommy. Where's my mommy? I'm crying. That, but that was just me. Fear, inferiority, and sickness abounded in my life. Hello? If I was born in a litter of pigs, I would have been the runt. And you know what they usually do with the runt? They kill it. I would have been the runt. I was the weak one. I was the sick one. I was the last one. But God made this runt with grunt. And I ain't the runt anymore. I got washed in the blood of Jesus and I'm the head and I'm not the tail. I'm not the runt, I'm the grunt. Hallelujah. You see, we got to exchange the fruit that you're eating. You are what you eat. What are you eating? As a man thinketh, so is he. What are you eating? God doesn't love me. God won't do it for me. Get rid of that fruit. This is what I'm going to eat. Look, this is what I'm going to eat. John 3, 16. For God loves the whole world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth on him will not perish, but will have everlasting life. If God could love the whole world, I'm part of the whole world. Mm. I like that. Romans chapter 8, verse 35, verse 37, and verse 39. Who shall separate me from the love of Christ? Trouble? Hardship? Mm. I like that. Persecution? Yeah, we get in trouble when God doesn't love me. It says there, is trouble going to separate you from the love of God? It doesn't designate who made the trouble. We get ourselves into trouble 
I make mistakes. Does God stop loving me? No. Even my trouble doesn't separate me from the love of God. Hardship doesn't separate me from the love of God. You shouldn't talk with your mouth full. Persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, or sword. Let's go to the next part of this scripture. It gets better. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And one passage, Paul says, not even principalities or powers of darkness will separate us from the love of Christ. Mm. What are you eating? We don't realize the devil is constantly giving us the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of evil, and we often eat it. And you need to spit it out of your mouth. Am I making the point clear? I printed up the notes. If you want them, you can get them. If I tithe, I won't have enough money to pay my bills. Tithing? Pastor Rob just wants to buy a Ferrari. I'm not going to tithe. I can't make it on all of my money. The government takes enough of it. Can I tell you something? The government has never promised you. Listen to me. Everybody listen to me. The government has never promised you, pay your taxes and I promise I'll give you back tenfold. How many of you pay your taxes? How many of you pay your taxes? Oh, you're under law. How many of you pay your taxes? You all better be putting your hands up. How many of you pay your taxes? Are you not worried about being under the law? Well, that law doesn't even come with the promise that he will open up the windows of heaven. But you pay it. You give to Caesar what is Caesar's. God says the tithe is mine. I don't know about tithe. The church looks good enough. They're paying the bills. I don't have to tithe. Knowledge that is contrary to God's knowledge. Hello? What's it called? Evil. You know what the Word of God says? This is what God says. Let's have that verse up there. Malachi. You got it? Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. Amen. You ever write to Uncle Sam and say, listen, I'm not going to pay my taxes. I want to test you. Try it. I'm just curious. You let me know what happens. I'll come visit you. Not in the White House. In the jailhouse. Why is it the government says this and threatens to beat you up if you don't do it, and you do it? And then God says this and encourages you, he'll bless you, and then we don't do it. 
When you don't agree with God, you're eating from the fruit of the knowledge of evil. And every time humanity has done that, they've become slaves and impoverished. Thank you. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there won't be room enough to store it. That's what God said. You're going to eat the fruit that agrees with God or you're going to eat the fruit that disagrees with God? Look at this, 2 Corinthians 9, verse 9 to 11. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food, God who supplies seed to the sower. You see what it says? It doesn't say God will supply seed to the guy who just builds his houses out of it. It says God will supply seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. That sounds like Malachi mm -hmm. chapter 3. And when you come into agreement with that, and you need to speak that over your wage check, and you need to speak that over your tithes. And say, God, I'm going to prove that I'll be a sower so that you can trust me with more seed. Amen. Give, and it'll be given back to you, pressed down, shaken together, running out all over. Do I need to give you more scriptures? No, really, I don't. You know them. You have to decide what fruit you're going to eat. You are what you eat. And as a man thinketh, so is he. Oh, I'm so afraid, you know. Kids are getting shot up at school, and I hear so many bad things, and planes are falling out of the sky, and, and, and we take that apple again. I, I, I am so full of fear and anxiety. I can't sleep at night. I have the worries in life. I'm just getting the better of me. I might lose my job. <laughs> I'm so afraid. Will you agree with me? Life is terrible. Is that disgusting? Is that disgusting? All right, can I tell you something? When somebody talks like that to you and you agree with them, that's exactly what's happening. Good preaching, Pastor Rob. <laughs> when you let people talk things to you and you agree with them and it's contrary to what the Word of God says, that's exactly what's happening. I'll make a fool of myself so that you could see the truth. Amen. Amen. Psalm 91, I'm going to end with this verse. I promised myself we'd go short today. How do you stop the worship? How do you, was that not powerful in the worship? Is anybody getting anything out of this word? Look, maybe if I didn't play with all this imagery, we could have cut 10 minutes out of the sermon. But next time you start thinking you're stupid and you're an idiot, you're going to remember me eating that apple. And the next time somebody 
starts talking to you and they want you to come into agreement that you shouldn't have to tithe and, you know, this faith stuff's a little bit overboard. I want you to remember how I, I dribbled all over these guys and put regurgitated food on them. I want you to remember that. No, I do. See, I do this stuff on purpose because they're object lessons. Pictures stay in our minds. And so... I don't apologize that maybe it went a little long again today. I don't apologize because your success, mm -hmm. your success in Christ, your success as a son of God, your success knowing who you are is of paramount priority because the church of Jesus Christ is looking pretty sick today. And somewhere we better get preachers who will get off of their pedestals and not care about their popularity and whether or not they have thousands following them. And we need to be more concerned about the church that is the living, breathing individual and not the church that is a mega church and stands on 20 acres. Now, I'm not against mega churches. I'm not against growth. But let's start with growth of the individual because that's where God puts the priority. Can I get an agreement? Yes. Psalm 91. Come on, throw it up there. I'm to finish. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. Next verse. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge. He's my fortress. He's my God. I trust Him. Next verse, surely he will save you from the fowler's snare. He will save you from the deadly pestilence. Next verse, he will cover you with the feathers. And under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and your rampart. Next verse, you will not fear the terror of night or the arrows that fly by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. Next verse. A thousand might fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. I'm going to eat from the fruit of the knowledge of good. Are you with me? Stand up. See this young man? See this young man? This is Jan's grandson. Jerry and Jan did a great job. Did they raise you? They spent most of their time with you, didn't they? They're like parents to you. Is that right? When Jerry died, Gunnar's parents said, you know, we realize mom and dad really raised this kid. What a wonderful thing. When he was born, they diagnosed him as being autistic. They said he will be non-functioning in society. That's what they said. The experts, that's what they said. And you could have eaten the tree of the knowledge of evil. But you and Jerry kept praying over this little, when he was a baby, and this little boy, and you kept praying and praying and praying and loving him and talking to him. Have they been your backbone? 
Have they constantly been around you, encouraging you? Do you know that he went into a drawing competition and drew a drawing of the shuttle, and his drawing went into the shuttle and went into outer space? They said he'd be a non-functioning autistic kid, non-functioning. But they kept praying, they kept believing, they kept quoting the Word of God. A week ago or two weeks ago, he won national championship in the BMX trials, and he's going to Belgium to compete on a world level. Thank you, Gunnar. I'm going to be cheering for you, buddy. I, I sort of kind of feel like it's in the bag. You're going to win. But you know what? Yeah, amen. I mean, in my heart, that's what I believe. I do. I'm not trying to believe it. I just, I believe that. But you know what? He already won. Non-functioning. He has his driver's license. He drives. He has a job. Listen, guys. May 23rd. Why do miracles happen here? We see a lot of miracles. Why? Because this we believe. On Jesus Christ we stand. Come, stand with me. Come on. Give the Lord a clap. Come on, give the Lord a clap. Look, I will try to shorten the services a little bit, but not at the expense of a worship time like that, and not at the expense of teaching you the truth. You see, Patty, if I, if I ran a 60-minute in and out, you wouldn't have the kind of faith that you had, and you would have been burying your mom. I don't say that boastfully. Church, we've got to put a price. You all put a price on college education. And some of you are already putting money aside for your kids' college education. Most kids won't come out of college with a degree unless they've paid easily $60,000 and sometimes $120,000. And then we have these debts and you can't write them off. But it's worth it. Oh, he's got a college degree. He went to the finest college. And then we can't stay an extra 20 minutes because the preacher got a little long-winded. If I get long-winded, it's so that you have long life. We put priority on the wrong priorities. And we eat the wrong fruit. So I don't apologize. I think you're worth the investment. Do you understand my ego's attached to this here? I, would I love to preach like this to 5,000 people? Of course I do. And it might still happen, but not at compromising you getting a full meal that is well balanced. Do you understand? Even in the church world, oh, you got a church of 200, you're not successful. 
I don't care. I don't care. I will not be measured by worldly standards. When I have a lady who could stand up and speak against the medical institution by saying, you know what, I'm not accepting that, those are my credentials right there. I've got success. I've got success. Let's close our eyes. Friend, it all starts with asking Jesus Christ to come into your heart. Jesus said something that had no ands, ifs, or buts. He said, you must be born again. What's born of flesh is flesh. But what's born of spirit is spirit. Going to church isn't the issue. It's letting Jesus Christ come into your heart so that you become the church. If you've walked away from God, if you've backslidden, if you've never asked Jesus Christ to come into your heart and you want Him to be your Lord and Savior, right now while every eye is closed, and I don't care if every eye was open, this is worth raising your hand to. Put your hand up right now and say, I want to ask Jesus in my heart. Come on. If you want to get right with God, you want to come back. Is that a hand going up? I see that hand. I see a hand over here. Thank you. Another hand. Put your hand up. Up the front here. Over there. Thank you. Thank you. People up the front over here. God bless you. People are raising their hands all over the place. Wow. Thank you, Jesus. This is the best decision you can ever make. This is the greatest decision you can ever make. When we ask Jesus into our heart, it brings transformation. It's not like wearing a cross around your neck. Okay, I'm part of the club now. No, when Christ comes inside of you, he's in you. And he will live through you and come out of you. So everyone who raised your hand, come on. We're having a powwow. Come down the front. I want to pray with you. Come on. Step out of the aisle. Come on, if your friend brought you, ask them to come with you. Step out of the aisles. Come on, welcome them right now. Come and join me. Join me. Join me. Come on down. God bless you guys. God bless you guys. Awesome. 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 Someone over here, raise their hand. Come on, don't be afraid. What fruit are you going to eat? Oh, I'm afraid. Oh, the people are going to think this. Get in agreement with God. Come on. Don't be afraid. Don't let the spirit of fear or timidity. Come on, good girl. Good girl. Come on. I'm a good guy. What's your name? Annette. Annette? Yes. Are you scared of me? No. No? No. Do you like me? Yes. Was I a little bit funny? No. I wasn't funny. Oh, okay. <laughs> Praise God. Praise God. I want everyone to come in agreement. G'day, buddy. What's your name? Colby. Colby. Yes. Nice to meet you, Colby. I want to tell you something. I asked Jesus in my heart. It radically affected me. Radically. I wouldn't go back for anything. He's changed me. Amen. He's changed me. Hi. What's your name? Irma. Irma. Yes, Irma. Of course, Irma. I keep bumping into you at Walmart. 
You work with Liz. Yes. Irma. Yay! She did it. Good on you, Irma. God bless you. Karen, right? Good girl. Annette. God bless you. Good girl. Oh, you got your phone there. All right. I'm not stealing your phone. That's all right. I wasn't trying to steal your phone. I'm making a joke. No problem. I can't steal it. All right. Thank you. We're going to ask Jesus in our heart. This is the most important part of this service. I want you all to close your eyes and pray. I want you to close your eyes and pray. Tom and Donna, come on down. I want you to repeat after me. Jesus, I need you. And I believe in you. I receive you. Come into my life. Not religion. Jesus Christ, come into my life. And forgive me of my sins. And live in me from today on. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Father, I thank you that the powers of darkness are broken. I come against witchcraft and the heritage of it. I come against all of those dark and seedy things. I speak to the prince of darkness no more. I put the blood of Jesus over them. I break your power right now and I release these people from your influence and from your darkness. In the name of Jesus, I bring life and light in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, I rebuke every fear and anxiety. Let your peace fill her heart and her mind. I thank you, Father. I thank you for the power of your Son. I thank you, God, that you never cast us out and never reject us. You love us, you love us, you love us, you love us. And we restore this faith in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. This is just the beginning. Come on, give them a big round of applause. God bless you, God bless you, God bless you. Awesome. Good stuff. I want you all to go with Tom and Donna for two minutes. I'm going to wrap this up, and we'll meet you in about three minutes, all right? Go with Tom and Donna. Give them a hand as they go. God bless them. Know who you are. Know who Jesus is and know who you are. Don't settle for less. Don't settle for less. Don't believe the lies of the devil. Don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of evil. Don't eat it. Your religious mind will say, that sounds arrogant. I can't say that. I shouldn't do that. Rubbish. Rubbish. It's in the Word of God. So that you can read it and say it. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And the best way to hear it is for it to come out of your mouth night and day. Speak it. I'm going to ask my prayer partners to come on out the front right now. Come pray. If you need a miracle, I want you to step out of the aisle. Church is over, but it's not over. We are the church, and it's eternal. Hallelujah. But if you need prayer, come on down the front. They will pray for you. If you want to stay and stand in the crowd and pray with them and believe with them, good for you. If you need to go, I get it. I get it. I get it. God bless you. Have a great week next week. God gave me a word while I was at that altar. Come on back next Sunday and let's get stirred up in our holy faith. Amen? Amen.
Come on, give the Lord a big round of applause. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen.